previously on Witness Radio. They're trying to wiggle their way around it, but ultimately when they try and give grace to the stabbing victim, they cannot give any grace, any leeway for the stabbing victim. If that person, so to say, um, has had the opportunity in their lifetime to be able to know God and have a relationship with God and they chose to refuse that and not choose to have that and they get stabbed in the back and in three minutes they die, then they're not saved. If they had that chance and they didn't take it, then there's no chance for them to be saved in three minutes. There's no grace if you have to add works. It's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak. It's, I mean, I'm not God, so I can't condemn anyone, say, like, oh, you're for sure going here or there. You know, I can only go off of the Bible and what God's Word says, you know? But if someone has three minutes to live and they're making, they're in that moment and they never try to take it up before, like that relationship with God, and then those last moments, they want to you know, be a Christian in a sense, like, I don't know if they know what that means, like, necessarily, like, being a Christian isn't about, oh, I want to go to heaven, I want to go to hell. Being a Christian is, I want to follow Jesus and make him Lord of my life and live for him, like, because I love God and I want to be with him for an eternity, not like, I'm afraid to go into heaven or hell. In a sense, you know, she's saying you can't be a true Christian unless you have the ability to prove it by your deeds. You can't tell someone's a true Christian by someone placing their faith in Christ as Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and repenting of their sins. She's saying the true mark of a Christian is the ability for someone to prove it by their deeds, by their works. Mm. Then again, we hear that they overcharacterize the gospel as easy believism, as a get-out-of-hell-free card. And practically all people, not just a, a certain chug, they practically all people who claim the name of Christ, ultimately they stake their faith on the false gospel of easy believism. And conversely, only the ICOC system of discipleship is worthy enough to prove to God that people are really truly living for him. Hmm. God's love is what's supposed to compel us, right? So if you're like in a car and the road is like life and the end of the road is like you getting to the destination being heaven, um, if God's love is not filling up your gas tank, you're not going to get there. You might get so far if you're like, maybe you like a guy or a girl and you're going to church for that reason or like different things like that. Or even the fact that you don't want to go to hell, that's not going to get you all the way down the road. It's only going to be God's love. that's going to compel you. So again, I'm not God. I don't know that person's situation. He might have mercy or grace on them for whatever reason, because I'm not God. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to say, you know, that I'm all knowing or anything because that's not my place. But real quick here, I I just want to point out horrible analogy. Yeah, they have uh, many, many terrible analogies. The analogy is saying that while you can get some gas from God, ultimately it's not God that's going to keep your tank full. You have to keep filling it up. And that is heretical. That is wrong. Right, where in the scriptures it clearly teaches, you know, that we're empowered and filled by God the Holy Spirit. And, you know, since we're leaky vessels, you know, we have to continually pray and rely on his infilling for him to fill us back up, not with us and our own ability. Right. By the way, three minutes are up. I'm dead. Uh, (laughs) Thank you very much, girls, for killing me. No, uh, I'm joking. Um, But think about that for for, for a minute. You know, if someone has only three minutes to live, 
you know, if they can't live their life for Christ in those three minutes, then they go to hell for eternity. It's not uh, about uh, the three uh, minutes, though. It's about their whole life. Yeah. Right, like, but I mean... God, like God says that he will make himself... Like, he, he... In Acts 17, he says there's a time and a place yeah. so that we may reach out to him and that we will find him, like, if we actually reach out for him. So it's basically on that person's humility. Like, it's not just based on those three minutes, it's about their entire life. Yeah. She says that salvation is based on that person's humility. Okay, who was the most humble man who ever walked the earth, according to the scriptures? Moses, right? So... Moses was not righteous enough to please God and enter the promised land. So even the most humble person outside of Jesus Christ, obviously, you know, if he wasn't righteous enough to please God, then, you know, why in the world is she saying that salvation is based on that person's humility? Because if it was, then there's absolutely no one who could be saved. You know, look at the big picture that's being painted. The salvation in the ICOC depends much, much more on the actions and the characters of the sinner than the actions and the character of the Savior and Creator. Right. And going by that statement you made, that salvation is based on the person's humility, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross meant nothing. You don't have to follow Jesus if it's based on your humility. Gandhi could go to heaven based on that statement. Right. What about like people who are on their, on their deathbeds and, and they, they cry out to God? Um, you know, they... they Here's an example in the Bible. Uh, when Jesus was on the cross, right. there, there was a thief next mm-hmm. to him, and, and he cried out yeah. to Jesus, you know, remember me when you come right. into your kingdom, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So what, what about him? You know, he, yeah. he, he obviously, his life was not lived for God, right. and he didn't have the opportunity to live yeah. his life for God because he was about yeah. to die just like Jesus. Right. So what, right. About, what about, like, someone like him? When it comes to that, you have to remember and know the context of the situation. And so when Jesus was here on the earth, he had all authority. He was, yeah, Matthew 28 specifically says, all authority has been given to me um, on earth as it is in heaven um, because he was God in the flesh. I've got to stop it right here because they're saying that Jesus had all authority on earth. So that means that he no longer has all authority in heaven? Question number one. Question number two is, they quote Matthew 28, 18 through 20 here, right. uh, regarding uh, when Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. That was after he came back from the grave, after he died, after he rose again. So it doesn't, unless he's always had all authority and always will have all authority, that doesn't apply to the thief on the cross because that happened before he came back from the dead. Right. Well, unfortunately, you... This is one of the things that they do. Um, they bring up common arguments that people would 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 bring up, such as the thief on the cross. So actually, in one sense, they are true because Jesus had the authority to forgive sins on earth. They're twisting, they're twisting the scriptures here. Their, their argument really doesn't hold water. Um, because he was God in the flesh. Okay, she just said that Jesus was God in the flesh. Now, does she really believe that? Because... You know, on one hand, she was confused about, you know, earlier saying that, you know, you're baptized into Jesus, you're baptized into God. But now she's saying fully that, you know, Jesus is God in the flesh. So in some ways, if, if you're looking at it, it, it does make sense. It sounds orthodox. It sounds true. It sounds biblical. But remember, a lot of cult members, they can live in 
several deep levels and several different layers of cognitive dissonance when it comes to their uh, beliefs. So at this point, I would go back to, okay, you know, you said Jesus is God in the flesh. You know, how much of Jesus is divine? How much of God was he in the flesh? He was able, that's why he was able to do miracles. That's why he was able to tell the uh, paralytic man, get up, your sins are forgiven. He was had the authority to forgive sins on earth while he was on earth. And so for him to be able to tell that man, you are forgiven and I will see you in paradise, that was something that he could do. So can he not do that now that he's in heaven? Right. It's, it's not about that anymore, though, because that was before his death and his burial and resurrection. And so the fact is that he died to take on all humanity's sin. And after that, we have to choose to die to ourselves every day and to be a Christian and to live the way that Jesus wants us to live every single day, to take up our cross daily, like Luke 9 says, and to be a disciple, which is, which is the same thing as a Christian, which means to follow Jesus and live the way that he taught us how to live. Okay, now that she says that Jesus did his part for dying and resurrecting, and now we have to do our part by choosing to follow him, that no more help is required. The rest of, essentially she's saying the rest of salvation is up to us. Jesus did his part, and God can't, Jesus can't do any more. God can't do any more. The rest of it's got to be up to us. He had that authority when he was on earth, but now that he's not on earth, we as Christians who have been baptized um, and repented of our sin, we have the Holy Spirit and we are able to live like Jesus. So he gives us that opportunity to live like him. Even though we're human beings and we sin, we sin every day. That was the reason for him dying on the cross is so that he was the ultimate sacrifice so that we can have salvation. Because if we choose to live for him every day, if we choose to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, then we're able to be saved. Okay, so now if we're able to live like Jesus, we should never sin ever again because Jesus was absolutely perfect and never sinned. So they believe in sinless perfection. Well, essentially, they they do because from one, pers from one perspective, from the Pelagian perspective, where they're born neutral, they can learn and their goal, you know, is to stop sinning. You go back to their doctrine of sin, where it's a checklist of do the stuff you know, do the things that you're supposed to be doing and don't do the things God forbids to do. And through their discipling system, they're implicitly believing that, uh, like you said, that they can ultimately go out to, to uh, sinless perfection. Um, it's also interesting here that I believe this is the only part in the uh, 20 minutes or so of the interview where they mention the Holy Spirit. Again, cognitive dissonance at play. If uh, the rest of salvation is up to us, by choosing and starting to follow Jesus, then what is the role of the Holy Spirit? What does he do? And practically in the ICOC discipling system, he has no role. It's your discipler. The role of the Holy Spirit has been totally taken up by another human being, your discipler. She is talking about what we have to do and you know we have to repent and be baptized and everything. Granted, there is uh, responsibility of man in our salvation. Uh, it's taught in the Bible. But it is entirely a work of God. And one thing she mentioned here, we have to be baptized, we have to repent. She mentioned it a couple of times, actually. But what did Jesus say? You know, at, at the very beginning of his ministry, 
Mark one fifteen, he said, repent and believe, believe the, good the gospel. He didn't say anything about baptism. Why didn't Jesus add that in there if that was necessary? He should have He should have put that in there. I mean, what was Jesus thinking not adding that? People could go to hell because he didn't mention that they had to be baptized in that in that little statement too. Right, and you're correctly pointing out because that is part of the core of the gospel. Now, they would probably come back and say the argument, well, Jesus was baptized and the apostles were baptized and they were baptized in the baptism of John. And then, you know, we have Acts 2.38 where Peter comes along and he institutes Christian baptism. He hooks, he goes beyond the baptism of John and hooks the forgiveness of sins, not only forgiveness of sins and faith of Jesus into it, but also receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit so they can actually live under and relying on God's power instead of their own power and their own righteousness. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot live for Christ. But they expect you to live for Christ before the Holy Spirit, before baptism, You know, if you're going by water baptism, because you, you can't be water baptized until you've gone through first principles exactly. and all that. Exactly, and you got to remember that the Holy Spirit, the limit of their theology, is a seal, kind of like a trophy that, yeah, you've earned your salvation. Imagine Jesus walking onto your local college campus. What would he say? Would he be like Matthew chapter 9, seeing the people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? And say, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. At Christian Collegiate Network, we are sending workers into the harvest. We are training students how to proclaim the glorious gospel, not only in the way that they live their lives, but how to speak to the campus community about the gospel. If you want to support our ministry at Christian Collegiate Network by becoming a campus leader or financially, go to changeyourcampus.com. Christian Collegiate Network, changeyourcampus.com. For when he was on earth, it was a different context. And so a lot of people try to say that too. It was like um, the, the man on the cross hanging next to him. That, I mean, he just believed, but it's more than that. It's more than just reading a scripture out of context. You have to know when it was, what kind of authority Jesus had, the plan that God had for Jesus, all of that. Because a lot of people can pull scriptures out of context and say things like that. Even people use Revelations 3 about, um, what is it? Or Matthew, knock and the door will be open to you, seek and you will find. It's more than just asking God for forgiveness and your, your sins are forgiven. Um, because a lot of people don't read the Bible in context and so they don't see that, you know, belief is not the only thing that saves me. Faith isn't what saves you. Well, Ryan, you heard it. She says, uh, quote, faith isn't what saves you. Um, let me read Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 here. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And, you know, before you continue, I want to continue that with verse 10. Because verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, for. good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ironically, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, the larger passage, is actually part of the first principle studies. But in that context, verses 8 through 9 are conveniently ignored because they cannot resolve the fact that it's kind of one of those Christian paradoxes that, you know, you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you believe in Jesus, 
but your faith is not from you. Your faith is from from God. And it's a gift. You cannot earn a gift. Right. Whether paying for it with money or with works, you cannot earn it. It that that makes it not a gift by definition. Right. And I think it's sad because at this point, you know, it sounds like she's accusing you of taking the Bible out of context and is saying that it's quote unquote faith alone that saves you, which basically means she's accusing you of easy believism. Of course. Very quickly go into verse 10. It's talking about uh, we were created in Christ Jesus. We were saved through Christ Jesus for good works. So before we're saved, before uh, we repented and placed our faith in Jesus Christ, our good works are worthless. In fact, Isaiah, uh, I believe it's 64.6, but don't quote me, says that all of our righteous deeds are filthy rags in the sight of God. Nothing we do is good in the sight of God. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ by which we might be saved, because it is only He who can please God, because He was perfect. Well, now, wait a minute. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says it's faith that does save you. Right. So, how, how do you explain that? <laughs> but it never says faith alone. Yeah. It never... First I <laughs> think it might. No, it doesn't say faith alone. First of all, and second of all, that was a letter written, um, and it's an epistle written to a church that the church, those people in the church were already baptized, saved Christians. Okay, so she's trying to make the argument that this is uh, written to people who were already saved. Well, what's the point of telling these people how to be saved if they're already saved? It makes no sense. She does say that it doesn't say faith alone, and I'll give her that. It does not say faith alone, but it makes it very clear that it's only through faith. Well, through grace. Grace right. through faith. Right. Grace alone and faith alone. Right. Through Christ alone. All those good sola scriptures the, uh, the reformers came the, yeah. the reformers came up with, they come in handy. The reason why that letter was written was because that church... Um, was lacking in their faith. Um, and so the letter uh, to the Ephesians um, was written so that they were, it was more of a, like your faith, it's, it saves you because you've already been baptized. You're already a disciple. You need to have faith. Like persevere in this yeah. kind of thing. Oh, okay, so do you, what, what, what comes first? <laughs> or do you be a disciple first and then you get saved or like how does that work because I'm, I'm confused on how you guys are explaining it. it it sounds like you guys are saying that you you have to you know do do you have to start following the lord before you uh before you can be saved before you can have the holy spirit okay this is where you actually nail them to the wall they start laughing a little bit they're embarrassed again um, and they cannot come up with a proper defense. Um, so they decide just to throw in the towel, uh, cut to the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Acts 2, yes, both of those are part of first principles, and, you know, just start their, their final defense, which really isn't a defense at all because they can't counteract what you just said. You girls are with the uh, disciples on campus, correct? Yes. 
I'm, I'm familiar with, uh, <laughs> with with your guys' ministry. Um, I'm actually with Christian Collegiate Network. You've probably okay. seen me sitting in there doing a Bible study um, on Monday nights. But go ahead. Oh, okay. So Jesus' last commandment, right? Matthew 28. He says, it's like well, the, great, the Great Commission. So it's like Jesus' last word. So it's like probably pretty important. Um, it says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and teaching them, uh, and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the earth. Or to the, to the end of the age, sorry. Um, and then there's uh, other scripture that talk about, like, you know, like repenting and then being baptized, like uh, Acts 17, or Acts 2, sorry. Like, rep- yeah, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And it says, like, you whom you... Uh, whom you crucified, Jesus. So it's like a lot of uh, different things wrapped up together. Uh, what's the, I forget what the word is that I like learned when I was looking up a bunch of different things, but it's like the simultaneous understanding of all of these like parts. Like it's, it's almost like it's a puzzle, like in a sense, like, or like a recipe, I guess. It's a puzzle, all right. It's a puzzle that only the ICOC understands, and it's a puzzle only the ICOC can solve. And it turns out ultimately to be a Chinese finger trap for them because their own system encloses around them and they can't come to know the truth. You know, it seems like from an external perspective, you have a good, good, good group of people. And what person doesn't really want to be part of one of those groups? Right. It's more of a, a social draw. You can't have a cake, right, if you don't have the eggs or if you don't have the milk, right? So, like, I think there's a lot of people that are trying to make this cake, you know, but they don't, they leave out ingredients because they might not believe, you know, certain parts of scriptures. Like, I believe every single scripture that's in here. I'm not saying I believe one thing because there's more scriptures that support this or there's a scripture that I believe that supports that or it's, it's just easier to live this way. I believe every single part of this, the Bible, because it's not the necessarily the Bible. It's, it's God's word, you know. Right. It's so... It's like I believe every single part of it, and I try to live my life to every part of that. Well, girls, I want to thank you uh, for talking to me on Witness Radio. Um, And just briefly, I want to say, you know, um, I I, I love that you girls uh, know Scripture, know know the Bible. (laughs) We try. Um, That's not not often seen uh, among the youth of this nation. Um, but I want to encourage you to be like Bereans, yep. okay, oh, yeah. to examine the scriptures for yourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just take what uh, anyone else is saying to you, not even me, okay? Yeah. Um, examine it for yourself. Don't, don't sit there and look at, you know, uh, someone else's writings and the Bible and say, okay, uh, he says this means this, so I believe that this means what he said. Right. You know, yeah, look, look at the Bible first. Commentaries and different okay. things like that. Right. I mean, I well, look at I'm, I what I'm saying is look at yeah. the Bible first, yeah. right. and then look at the other person's teachings, because if it doesn't line up with what the Bible mm-hmm. actually says, you know, if, if it's being twisted out of context mm-hmm. or something like that, right. you know, make sure you, you get rid of that teaching. Okay. Yeah. When they bring up the when you bring up the brains in Acts 17, that's one of the first scriptures they use in the first principles Bible study series. So. What you do from what they're hearing from their perspective and what they're implementing from their perspective is not comparing against what the Word of God says. It's comparing to what they have been taught the Word of God says. Mm -hmm. So they're already inoculated against going their own system. They're reading, interpreting, and attempting to practice the Scriptures through 
ultimately Kit McKean's false teachings, even though they totally reject Kit McKean. They reject him as their ultimate discipler on top, leading the whole movement. Mm-hmm. But they... So, they say he's not their prophet anymore. Um, yeah, the, re- the reason I say that... so many people and so many commentaries that are skewed and they are not true and um, so many beliefs and so many branches of Christianity that only believe (laughs) because of Lutheran believes because of one verse of the Bible Um, but the fact is that I know for myself and my life and reading the scriptures um, and living it out John 7 17 talks about if you you will know that my teachings are from God if you live it out, and so living out the scriptures and um, I mean, growing up, um, not really knowing about the Bible, but reading it every day of my life now, like as a college student, it's completely different. Like the the, the world that I see, um, I don't see it through a worldly perspective. I see it through Jesus's eyes, the way that He sees the world, and so. I know that what I'm reading is true in the Bible. And yes, I can use outside resources, um, but I don't just believe them whenever they say something's true. I mean, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek. And so I look back and I look in the Greek context of what it means, what the actual word means, and study it out because I want to know the truth. I want to know the real truth, not what other people say, not what people try to tell me, Mm -hmm. but... Um, even when being preached a sermon on a Sunday morning, um, if something is off and I believe it's off, yeah, be like a Berean and study it out and make sure that the truth was preached to me and that I'm living by it Mm -hmm. because that's what it says in the Bible for us to do. And so, yeah, that's definitely something. Well, thank you again, girls, for talking to me, okay? Let me give you some before I go. One of the keys to understanding the ICOC's false doctrine of disciples' baptism where what someone must become a disciple first before they're a candidate for a valid baptism is the false interpretation of where the NIV renders, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, the ICOC teaches the them in the baptizing them and teaching them actually points to the word disciples. But since make disciples is one word and one verb in the Greek, and other translations render that as, you know, teach all nations, baptize the nations. The them is actually pointing to the nations. We baptize nations and teach nations, which, you know, is consistent with the rest of the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, what are your thoughts on what just transpired uh, via that interview? Send send your feedback to to uh, radio at muniacfamily.com or just use the contact uh, or just use the contact page at witnesstalkradio.org. Or, of course, you can go to Facebook. I check all the comments there. Make sure you tell me what you thought of this interview. I'll even take the input from current International Church of Christ members or disciples on campus. But, Michael, your your thoughts in closing on, on the whole whole thing. One of the things we have to do if we're evangelizing them or trying to reach out to them is to get them to step out of their circle of familiar material. You know, there are a couple of different off-ramps for that. Like we were talking with, you know, even Original Sin. You could start to talk about, you know, Original Sin, what they believe about that. Or, again, what Ryan pointed out of, uh, you know, you start living for God without 
the forgiveness of sins of the Holy Spirit, and then you're good enough to earn that. These girls, they're they're in a cult. They're they're learning false teaching. They're teaching false teachings, but they're still human. Uh, we don't want to lose sight of that. Yes, they're in a cult. Yes, they are cult members. Yes, they are being abused, and yes, they are abusive. Yes. Remember their humanity. You know, uh, it, it's like the Christians who, uh, you know, look at Jehovah Witnesses like they, like they're, they've got the plague. You know, they're no different than you and me. They are human beings. They are just lost. They have learned false things. And it is the truth of Scripture that can open their eyes and shed some light on, on, on the subject. Uh, same thing with International Church of Christ, with disciples on campus, these two girls. Pray for them. Because um, God can save them. God can open their eyes to the truth. Where can people go for more information about you? And uh, The main site uh, for us is uh, reveal.org, www.reveal.org. Uh, my personal blog is uh, xray342radio.blogspot.com. Uh, I will uh, post some show notes on there when the show is released with some links to some of the things we talked about, like copies of First Principles, things like that. Email xray342radio at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at, at xray342radio. Well, thank you all for listening. And until next time, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share your faith. May God bless you. Witness Radio has been brought to you by the Muniac family.